And welcome to Lone Star Yell Fight, where your favorite Aggie, Andy Tom Chesson, and your favorite Longhorn, James Christopher, take you deep inside the two flagship programs of Texas football. Good morning. It is the 1st of December. This year is almost over. And as one of us predicted, at least at the very beginning of the season, one of our teams is playing in a championship game this weekend. And welcome back to a little bit later, Lone Star Yell Fighty, Fighting? Fighty? Yo, yo, Lone Star Yell Fight. We've got, yeah, this is a... Fighty. Look, I'm going to be honest, Andy. I just literally, um, getting out of St. Michael's, because today is the uh, Feast of the Immaculate Conception. Uh, and though for those of you who are not Catholic, no, does that mean when Jesus is born, it means the conception of Mary, but whatever. And not when Mary got knocked up. No, it's, yeah, the conception of her, right. Yeah, she, her mom she was got conceived. knocked up. Yeah, because she's born with that original sin. I actually won a a Europe-wide trivia con con uh, contest with that factoid. But I get out, and I get the email to get the bananas tickets. I'm on the other side of campus. I start to check out. You can you only have like seven minutes to buy these tickets. And my car's in my wallet. My, so I have to sprint to my car. And I'm not a sprinter. Um, I got on the tickets knees, purchased. You shouldn't be. Yeah. Well, I got the tickets purchased with about 30 seconds to spare. So uh, that's us. But we're here to talk a little college football. Um, Andy, we'll start with the Aggies, then we'll start Longhorns, and then I want to talk F FSU. But um, Texas Bowl, but things seem to be looking up as far as the positivity of the. Um, the new coaching staff coming in. I know you can't get a whole lot done with an outgoing coaching staff, but why does it matter that AM's still playing this bowl game? Or well, does it? I mean, the honest truth is no bowl games do not matter. Um, and it's an unfortunate reality in 2023, but I, I mean that's what it is. Next year they will matter even less. I saw a really interesting proposal that you shift all the bowl games to um the first week of, or last week of August. And have them played then because then you could guarantee people would actually play and you'd have teams interested in going and they would be as meaningful as they used to be. Oh, because with a 12 team playoff coming, do I really care what's happening in the Beef O'Brien Bowl? Probably not. Or Beef O'Brady, excuse me, Beef O'Brady Bowl. That's yeah. how much I care about the Beef O'Brady Bowl. <laughs> um, Although they would help themselves with better names to these ball games, like no, I mean the easy answer is yes, they still matter because you still get the two weeks of practices, and a team that went seven and five, hoping to go eight and five, needs two more weeks of practice. Um, I would also make the counter argument that a team that doesn't make a bowl team need bowl game needs even more practice, but that's a, a whole separate conversation that the NCAA don't want to have. Um, and you know we've seen how well things go when the NCAA sticks their head in the sand about things. Yeah, and I right. Uh, so yeah, it's it's good that A and M has these additional practices. It'll be interesting to see. Um, I, I guess Elijah Robinson, who has uh, announced that he is leaving for Syracuse to be the play calling defensive coordinator under his good friend um, Coach Brown. Um, it's an interesting career decision, but we weren't going to offer him the ability to call plays here. So right. that's the next step in his evolution. And I no hard feelings, wish him well kind of thing. But that's led to just kind of this series of bad news. Now, Coach Robinson is staying on to coach the bowl game. It will be some mix of whatever assistants are left because we're down to a few and a bunch of graduate assistants coaching positions for the first time, which – that's where these bowl games just kind of get silly, especially when you have a, a coaching change. Yes, you want to go, but there's just a lot of moving parts. Uh, you've got uh, two 
fourth-year players who have announced that they are leaving for the draft, which uh, McKinley Jackson should leave for the draft, Anaya Smith should leave for the draft. It, they've been in college for four years. It's time. I think they both have one more year of eligibility. Anias has actually been in school for five years, so he still has a COVID year that he could take. But we're almost out of those those kids. We're almost out of the kids that had COVID years that they could take. Yeah, isn't that weird? So, you know, the six year, six year of eligibility, uh, by and large, is going to go away. Um, so it's just a matter of getting young guys reps, playing, um, I guess, Oklahoma State in the Houston Bowl, Gallery Furniture Bowl, tax. Like, I don't know what it's even called anymore. Yeah. Again, it doesn't matter. Uh, it will forever be the Mac, Mattress Mac Bowl because why, why wouldn't it be? Why wouldn't it be? How much of it does it, I mean, does this help recruiting at all? Because one of the things I think I've been impressed by, it doesn't seem like y'all have hemorrhaged recruits with the coaching news. Does this have any, Matt, does this have any factor in it at all, do you think? Um, I don't think the bowl game does. I think hiring Mike Elko as your head coach did a lot to minimize that. I, I still think that we'll have a couple more pieces of attrition on the recruiting class. I still think we have the opportunity to add some more in the next couple of weeks and then again in February. So I don't think the book has been written, um, but by and large, I think we hold on to our recruiting class the most. Where we're going to have issues is uh, the players who are entering the transfer portal, not all of which will leave, um, but I guess most of them will. But even then, if depending on who you ask, because people are now counting walk at, walk-ons as transfers if they leave the school, so we have somewhere between seven and 14 kids who have announced that they're in the portal. Only two of them have, already, have found homes. Max Johnson and his brother, Jake, are transferring to North Carolina. Uh, everybody else is kind of wait and see. And I haven't seen a lot of movement from players entering the portal for any school that already know where they're going to be going, or at least have already announced it. Um, so that that's the interesting thing. And we did a, a, a long way towards... I think holding on to Connor Wegman and some of the key offensive players by hiring um, Coach Klein, who will forever be you got your manhood back, Coach Klein. I don't care. I, I don't care, Mister Coach, Mister Coach, Mister Coach Klein. Uh, but he's our offensive coordinator from Kansas State. Very impressive, and I actually have heard from. Uh, Longhorn fans and OU fans that are uh, you know not necessarily thrilled to see him following them into the SEC yeah. uh, in, a, in a complimentary way. Uh, we need to name a defensive coordinator, and I think that will stop other pieces of hem hemorrhaging. And depending on who you listen to, that could happen as early as today, late as sometime next week, uh, but it will happen. And then you have the juggling act of which coaches are here, which coaches are leaving as soon as the ball game is over, who can be on the road recruiting, who has to stay. There's a whole lot of moving parts, and I know – the NCAA gives a little bit of leeway on that, but there's still only supposed to be, I think, 10 or 11 coaches recruiting actively on the road at any time. And with the early signing day coming up in, my gosh, I guess eight days, it's the 16th, yeah. I believe, um, that that's an interesting storyline to follow. For a yeah, team in I mean, transition like us. Not like, you know, the Cadillac of fo football that the University of Texas seems to be. Well. Yeah, I mean, we'll obviously dive into the early signing day, but yeah, it was a good day for the Longhorns on Saturday for many, many, many reasons. Um, one, just the absolute undressing of Oklahoma State. It looked like, to me, one of the best games top to bottom that they played. 
well, since the last time they played when they played Texas Tech for Thanksgiving weekend. But no, I mean, it looked um, it, it looked like they could really do anything that they wanted to. And I, I obviously know that they're going into the playoff. And I want to talk a lot about that here in a second. But and I don't and we obviously know that that stuff doesn't necessarily translate. But um, it just felt good. It felt good to see um, them go out there and straight up out talent and out scheme. Um, what is usually, generally speaking, a pretty decent football team on the field? Yeah, we're um, uh, playing these same Cowboys uh, on December 27th for some reason at eight in the evening. Because again, the bowl that doesn't matter. Both uh, team are in the central central time zone, but let's do it then. Yeah, um, but we're playing him. Uh, we're playing them with even less firepower than y'all had to face him with because Ollie Gordon has announced he's transferring. Or oh yeah, I saw, I saw that. So they'll be down to, I think, a third string running back. Who knows? Um, so any comparison points between the two final scores are pretty much moot at this point. Yeah, no, I think, it, I think it was as being a neutral college observer for just a second. Um, I think it was, frankly, about time that Texas asserted their dominance for a full season. Uh, because there's always been kind of you had the coaching you didn't have the parts or you had the parts you didn't have the coaching or you had the guys but you didn't have the right scheme and that's I mean realistically been going on at some level since Mac Brown left yeah um, and, and I think that there's finally some consistency there's finally some leadership clearly from the coaching staff and I'm guessing you have players that are leaders on the field and in the clubhouse um, and I think that's how you get to be a 12 and one football team in this current configuration of college football. Um, you have to have a, an offense that scores points. You have to have a defense that mitigates damage. You know, the days of being just a not lights out defense and winning games are few and far between, I think. Not on hold. Uh, not on hold bring on us to another point uh, in a little bit. Yeah. Oh, yeah. That was ugly. It was funny though, because not only did OSU's running back enter the transfer portal, Gunner, um, what's his name? The head Oklahoma State head coach, Gunner Gundy's entered the transfer portal. That's got to make Christmas awkward, right? So, do you tell your dad first, or does he find out from Twitter, or does dad tell you, "Hey, maybe uh, you know that transfer portal is a thing"? Because you can't cut your own son, because then your wife doesn't want to, you know, anymore. Hey, Mike Gundy is a man. He's 40, 50, so, oh, somewhere over 50 he's now. He's 50 so. now. He's got to so, be. His haircut is certainly old enough. Yeah, certainly, uh, you know, at 50, he can have a conversation with his wife about what they're about to do to their son. Yeah, maybe, maybe. Uh, all right, Florida State left out of the college football playoff. Um, they did play a game that set college football back about three or four decades. And if Louisville had any kind of ability at the skill positions, they probably win that going away. Um, there was a lot of Florida state defense to say there, but there was also a lot of drop passes, missed opportunity by Louisville. Um, starting with, I am in the full belief that Florida state got screwed in the college football playoff. Where do you sit on that? Um, I think there was going to be no way that somebody wasn't, unhappy at the end of the day and that's ultimately the flaw in a four game system now the argument has always been well there's never really been four teams that were deserving of a national championship um and because of the bowl system because of the politics because of the big money involved i don't think the ncaa was ever terribly worried about naming a champion 
I think that was something they were always willing to leave to the Associated Press. Yeah. And, you know, eventually they had their hand put because literally every other sport that the NCAA uh, sponsors and promotes has a championship tournament. Yeah. They get those every other sport and plaque things. And, yeah. And every other division of football. Yeah. Except, except for the bowl, the bowl teams. Um, so it was going to be FSU or it was going to be Alabama or it was going to be Georgia or it was going to be Ohio state or it could have been Texas. Um, one of those teams, all of which are, if not blue bloods right on the border of that, we're going to, somebody was going to be upset in the system because there's no way you leave out an undefeated Michigan. Although right. you could have an argument about how competitive the big 10 actually was this year outside of two teams. Yeah. Um, you weren't going to leave out an undefeated Washington. So you could make the same argument about the Pac-12. You weren't going to leave out Texas, most likely. Um, beyond everything else, I think there's a rooting interest by the media, the press, and college football in general for Texas when they've earned the right to be in the conversation to end being in the conversation. Yeah, we've been saying that for rounds. years. I mean, years ago, remember when it was the big debate between TCU and Baylor and none of them got in? I argue if it had been Oklahoma and Texas, both of them would have gotten in. Like, Well, and right. I don't – and I make that statement not because I want people to think I think Texas only got in because of name recognition. No, and Texas, Texas earned their spot. But Texas, like a couple of other football brands, Notre Dame being one of them, is always going to get a little bit more consideration if they're in the conversation. That's all I I'm completely saying. agree. Yeah. And and people are, can make the same argument that the reason why the Alabama pick was you couldn't have had not had an SEC it's representative 100%. in the playoff. Now, we can the validity of that though and and I thought it was interesting cuz you we had we both watched the um SEC shorts episode that dealt with it and it does look like the beyond the fact that like the one thing that stuck out to me was the fact that the ACC had a winning record against the SEC. And Florida State therefore won that eight the the uh, ACC and did it with three quarterbacks, which should have been seen as like remember Ohio State a couple of years ago got lauded for having three quarterbacks play. Yep, it, it seemed like there was a double standard applied, and as much as they use any standard at all. Yeah, well, I think that's part of the issue is there are no standards. The state and the standards that they do use are variable year to year. Um, because last year it didn't matter that TCU TCU lost in their championship. Um, conference championship game. They still got in the playoffs. Uh, this year, that did matter for Ohio State, or it did matter for um, Oregon. There's never been a team that jumped from seven to three before. That happened to Texas this year. Uh, in years past, I don't know. I, I think the argument that, you, that I've seen most is that the committee – is unwilling to leave the SEC out. And you could argue about whether that's right or wrong, but I think that's what happened. Um, yeah. It's really down to, I, you know, I think if you're going to talk about a team that got screwed, um, I think FSU got screwed on some level, but I think there's a deeper conversation there about uh, what you're looking for it, because the way the committee ran that, they basically said the seasons don't matter. We're taking the best four teams as of right now, going into the next month. So it doesn't yeah, matter. What, was, what do they say? Defeated. Best deserving, not most deserving. So if it's most deserving, then Florida State gets in. But again, every other sport that the NCAA sponsors 
is, did you win? Okay, well, you're in. They don't go reseed the NCAA basketball tournament after the round of 64 to go, well, these teams were more deserving and I'm going <laughs> to give them another shot. I mean, that's just not how it works. It doesn't work that way in baseball or basketball or any of the other round ball Swimming sports. or for you guys, equestrian. Hey, meat judging. You, <laughs> you judge that meat or you move on. That's how it goes. Does a but, really have competitive meat judging? Because I kind of hope that's a thing. And how do I be involved? We are and we're national championships in it. Uh, it's usually between us and tech. Wow. I need to find, we need to do a special episode just on that. That is a that is an NCAA sport. Now in the army, I was a meat gazer, but that had to do with like your analysis and stuff like that. And I don't want to talk about that anymore. It was a traumatic time for me. I, I can imagine. Um so yeah, I you know I think Georgia has a, just as much of an argument as Florida State about being screwed because I think Georgia played a much harder schedule than Florida State played. They were undefeated two-time champions up until the champion their conference yeah. championship game. Um, and again, if you base it on what happened to TCU last year, it shouldn't matter that they lost the championship game to Alabama. Yeah, the but other thing too about, about the other thing too about Bama was, I mean, they really did survive that game against Auburn. I mean, it was. That play, you could run that play 100 times and 90, the other 99 times they won't score. And so if if they're using this reverse eyeball test, I don't know how they don't look at that and make that part of the factor. Well, I mean, ultimately, it's an imperfect system that results in imperfect results. That That's kind of where we are. And so some group of college alumni, college football fans, whatever, we're going to be really, really angry Sunday afternoon. And that's Seth Hashim probably Georgia a little bit uh, to the point that I don't know. They, they canceled the the press conference earlier this week with the uh, coaches of Florida state and Georgia because mm-hmm. the Florida state coach wasn't willing to participate supposedly, allegedly. And there's a lot of internet rumble about them possibly boycotting the game. I don't Good. know. What, I don't know what purpose that would serve. It would make it something for us to talk about whenever we're between. There is that, but I don't know. That feels like cutting off your nose to spite your face. And I know the ACC, who desperately needs the money that would be generated by a New Year's Six Bowl, wouldn't be real thrilled if their um, champion decided to (laughs) forego that money. Yeah. Um, But it's it's real interesting times. And fortunately for us as college football fans, it's the last time we really have to have this conversation because next year we move to 12 teams. Next year, conference championship, conference championships matter from a auto bid perspective in the seating. Um, It's going to matter that Alabama won the championship. It's going to matter that Texas won the championship. It's going to matter that Florida State wins the championship. I think the one downside to that is, yeah, you're right, because we'll be arguing now over which teams are the best, are the 12th team to go yes. in. Yes. But there but could be a, more contenders for that 12th team, so it could be. Yeah, but I think it's a less heated argument because it's, I mean, this year it's, all right, well, you get to play Michigan. Good luck, yeah. Tulane. Good luck, <laughs> good luck, Tulane. Yeah. Um, you know, before we wrap up, then we do have we do have the first signing day coming up, and we're going to obviously do an episode after that. But you and I have talked offline a bunch about why you hate the December early signing period, and uh, I'd like to dive into why that is because I find it um, your your reasoning. I mean, I obviously know what they are to be uh, an interesting take, to say the least. Well, I think it's 
the two the two signing dates first of all are too close to one another one is the middle of december and one is the first tuesday in february so there's a what seven week six week gap between those two dates i'm not good with math i have a journalism degree but somewhere in that neighborhood i went to film school bro exactly you can come up to me one time asked me if i had help with the chemistry i said sure i opened the book looked at her and said i'm sorry i went to film school and handed it back that's fine. Um, chemistry is unnecessary for your everyday life anyway, unless you're a chemist. Unless you're... <laughs> Are you a chemist? I am not a chemist. There you go. Um, don't mix ammonia and bleach. That is your chemistry lesson of the day. <laughs> and I think they recovered that in the army too. They might They might have, yeah. I might have been absent that day, but yeah. Um, so the, the two dates are too close, first of all. The second thing is that if you are a organization, and this is near and dear to my heart this year, that has to remove a coach or a coach leaves or whatever, you have a coaching change, you now have from the end of the season, assuming you do it then, to the middle of December, to hire a new coach, call those recruits, solidify those recruits, make sure that new coaching staff wanted those recruits, go out and find other recruits, um, buy in a large amount of those individuals who aren't going to be on the market in February because they've already signed with one of your rivals. Uh, when Jimbo Fisher took the job at A&M six years ago, the big victory for him was – getting some kids to hold off on signing in December to February. That's the best oh. you can hope for. Uh, and uh, most of those kids didn't end up signing with us, but you at least got the chance to talk to them. I don't know that that's much of a reality anymore. Um, I think it puts undue pressure on the coaching staff. I think it puts undue pressure on the kids. And I think if you moved it to the last week in July or the first week in August before practices start, yeah. you could really – Spend your time with the kids that wanted to be want to be on your campus, be on your school, uh, be on that football team. They can concentrate on their senior years. Those coaching staffs can concentrate on that. And then you go back to the normal cycle for the rest of the kids who didn't want to make a decision early because it's truly not an early decision. It's just an earlier decision. And, and I don't know yeah. ultimately that it accomplishes anything. Yeah, I love the idea of, uh, of the August thing or the July thing because then you also – take a lot of pressure off of those high school football coaches and off of those players who can kick back a little bit. And like you said, enjoy their senior year. Well, you think about the coaches who have North shore in Houston comes to mind, the Allen program in Dallas. Um, I'm sure Austin Purdue Westlake is the one I'm thinking of. Um, those coaches Don't have forget their... about the football juggernaut. That is the St. Michael's Catholic Academy. Crusaders. Well, there is that. I mean, those coaches have jobs to do, and one of their jobs is winning football games, right? And so part of their job also becomes now hurting the cats that go around with the college recruiters that come out and the scholarship offers that come out to the kids that get them. And it takes away from their primary goal of winning football games to maintain their employment for the next year. That's <laughs> right, the, right. That's the reality for a lot of coaches, maybe not at St. Michael's because the mighty – here winning matters first right I got, I got two football players watching the show right winning matters okay they, they they're nodding sort of so but again every other sport has an early signing day that's months away from the final signing day every other yeah. sport except for football it, it's and i get that football drives the bus i get that football pays the bills but at some point it makes sense for every party involved to move that before the move that early signing day before the season, so you can focus your energies 
two times a year instead of this mad dash kind of six, seven week, eight week period of, especially when you have a coaching change, even a position coaching change can yeah. be a big deal when you're talking about these recruiting relationships that you've hopefully been laying the groundwork for two years. Um, and as recruiting becomes less and less, I don't want to say important, but less and less the focus of these coaching staffs. Um, and I'll explain what I mean by that in a second. Uh, it, it's just the, it's like schools that have raffles and I'll, you know, we'll go back to the Catholic school thing. It's a whole lot of work for very little payoff. At really? the end of the day. I sold those tickets to St. Pius. Yes. And we still sell them and it's ridiculous because I know how much the raffle brings in and it's not worth the fact that the kids get four days off from school and they have to sell all these books and all the printing costs and putting on the finding the prizes and all the things that go with that. Um, it would be easier just to say, please write us a check for $300 <laughs> and we'll keep your kids in school four more days. Um, <laughs> that's, that's worth the money itself. Yeah. So it, as recruiting high school seniors becomes less and less important um, to major college football programs, it's just, it becomes this unnecessary burden on the coaches to put a lot of effort into something there's not a lot of juice on. And I'm not saying recruiting's ever going to completely go away uh, because you do need to recruit high school kids. But if I'm a coach and I have to now mentally invest my time in a player, do I want the proven player out of the transfer portal yeah. who's played one or two years and shown what they can actually do at the college level? Or do I want the unproven high school kid who's got all of the measurables but no history of performance? Yeah, I mean, that's another good point, too. Um, another In another way that the portal really has changed everything about the um, – just the landscape of, of – of the uh of the of the sport i mean i think texas has already had three people enter the portal and i'm like wow you're on a team that could be playing for a national championship you don't want to enter that until after the season i think yeah. one of the other one of the other benefits too, moving that signing period early is now we might go back to not seeing so many coaches fired mid-season because i think it's bad for the kids at that point yeah um and it didn't really it didn't produce anything in in a&m situation jimbo was fired with two weeks left in the season, three weeks left in the season. And one kid, and when, when that happens, sorry, the uh, portal immediately opens for those kids. They have a 30 day portal that opens the day Jimbo Fisher was fired. One kid entered into the transfer portal at that time. And he had, he was a freshman who hadn't played anyway and was probably going to enter the portal. Still doesn't, have, yeah. still doesn't have a home by the way. Um, it's going to get a lot more cutthroat. And I think, whether you like Deion Sanders or don't like Deion Sanders as a coach, uh, a lot of the things he's saying out loud are just the reality of how college football really, really is. Um, and a lot of us haven't wanted to see that. Uh, it's the you know proverbial, how is the sausage made? Most of us don't want to know. Um, no. This is shining a lot of light on on those things. Um, so it's an inter it's it's good to live in interesting times, I guess. I guess it is. At least it's something to talk about. And we will be back next week to keep talking. We'll be back. I think next week we'll actually look at all the dates. We might move things around based on the national signing period or the early day. Anyway, for your world's favorite Aggie, Andy Tom Chesson, I am James Christopher. This has been the Lone Star Yell Fight. We'll be back soon.